Hello all, welcome or welcome back to And Everything In Between. I'm your host, Mela. So I wasn't going to record an episode today, but I honestly have no idea what my schedule is. Like, I'm still doing every other Sunday, but I've just been so all over the place, so I have no idea if I'm actually supposed to be doing an episode today, but I'm going to anyways because I got back from California yesterday. I know it seems like I've been traveling a lot, but I so I went to Michigan and then I went to California, but then I had a writing camp, so maybe that's why it always seems like I'm talking about some trip I went on, but I went on, I did go on two vacations. So this time I went to California, and when I tell you, California is the most beautiful place I've ever been to. I literally was telling my family throughout the duration of the entire trip, I'm going to live here when I'm older because it's just such a beautiful place. And, you know, I would love to go there for college, but, you know, those schools, a lot of difficult schools to get into, but if I could go there for college, I would. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful place. We stayed at Newport Beach, which is in Southern California, and we traveled. We didn't travel, like, stay anywhere, but we drove around to different places. We saw a little bit of LA. We saw some of Beverly Hills, Laguna Beach, so we went to a lot of different places, but I want to talk about my trip to California and how it reminds me of some European cities because from what I see at least in videos and pictures and movies some parts of California remind me of certain parts of European cities so I want to talk about that and then kind of delve into Europe's appeal to Americans what makes it such an interesting place. Why do so many people want to travel there? And before I get any angry people who are like, Europe is a continent of a bunch of different countries. Yes, but when people travel to Europe, they go to more than one country. You know, you're taking a however long 15-hour flight. People are going to see more than one country. So that's why I'm just referencing it as its continent, not just a bunch of countries, because collectively this what I say is going to be true for a wide variety of countries in Europe. So yeah, I just wanted to include that as a little preface. So California, very beautiful place. And the reason I want to live there is I just, I really like the culture. I think it's a very diverse place. I would say it's as diverse as New York City, where I went to It's just, I heard so many languages, like I was reveling at how many languages I heard spoken. And I have some stories of people speaking German that I want to tell you guys, but there are just a ton of small businesses, you know, like clothing stores. The fashion is just amazing there. I noticed it was kind of funny because I could always tell which boys were from California, like which were local to California because they have like this skater boy style and that's so different from where I live like boys where I live just wear athleisure clothes like sweatpants and sweatshirts and athletic t-shirts like nothing interesting but I was just I was shocked because the boys in California have some style you know they had the the baggy pants and the sweatshirts and but it was stylish and they had the nice cool sneakers so it was interesting I could definitely tell which people were local to California, which were tourists. And it was also interesting because there were these people, we went on this 
boat ride to go see dolphins and whale watching, and there were these people from Belgium, and I could tell before they even started speaking, because they were speaking Dutch, before they even started speaking, I could tell they were Europeans because the guy was wearing long jean shorts. I don't know what it is, but whenever I see Europeans coming to visit the U.S., a lot of the men wear these long denim shorts, and I, like, men in the U.S. don't really wear those, so that's what kind of gave it away for me, and also the brand on their backpack was in a different language, I'm pretty sure, or it was a brand I've never heard of before, so I was just like, mm, I think these people are from visiting from Europe, so I'll talk about that story, but overall, I just, the beaches, I mean, living right near the beach, if you live near a beach, I don't want to hear you complain ever, because if I live near a beach, if I could bike to a beach or bike along the Pacific Ocean, I would never complain ever again, and obviously, I don't, don't take that literally, but I was just so jealous, like, I was walking around, I was, like, mad, I was, I was like, why do I have to live in Ohio when there are people that get to wake up to the ocean every day? And I'm grateful for where I live, you know? I'm grateful for my friends and my house and stuff. But if I lived in California, oh my god, I mean, I it was surreal. Like, just seeing all the palm trees and the vegetation was so beautiful. And obviously, it's a completely different climate. But just there were so many flowers and the weather was actually the weather was not the best, but when it was sunny, it was really nice, and just getting to walk down to the beach from restaurants and eat on the sand, I mean, it was just so, so nice, and I love California, and if you live in California, don't take it for granted. I will definitely be moving there, though it's very expensive to live there, but I hope one day I can live there. If not for college, then after college, or maybe I could do an internship one summer, I don't know, but I most definitely want to live in California at some point in my life. It's just so, so nice. So back to the hearing many languages. I heard people speaking, I heard people speaking Arabic because my mom can understand it. She speaks a little Arabic, so she would tell us when someone was speaking it, but I could also recognize the language because my grandparents speak it. So I heard Arabic, I heard French, a lot of French, surprisingly, a lot of Spanish, obviously, um, Dutch from those people from Belgium on the boat. What else did I hear? Probably Italian. I don't know. I probably heard so many other languages that I wasn't familiar with, but just very diverse. And it's something, I think diversity where I live is something I value because you know, the best way to explore other cultures and explore new foods and music, although I am a picky eater, but the best way is just to live in a diverse area. So I really, really liked the culture of California. And I honestly, I don't know, I might say it was more diverse than New York City. New York City's very diverse. Maybe, maybe I just happened I don't know. Maybe I just happened to be in a very diverse place in California, but I would say it was as diverse, if not more diverse, than when I went to New York City, which is crazy because I feel like, at least for me, I wouldn't expect that. You know, New York City is such a huge place, so many different people there. So you would think New York City would be more diverse, but anyways, I digress. So I heard 
two different groups of people speaking German. One was this family at this restaurant. We were sitting in the waiting area waiting to go back to our tables and I heard the mom speaking it and there were three kids. They were all fairly young. The oldest one was probably like nine, but the rest of them, the other two were pretty young. And so they were speaking German and it was kind of hard to hear or hard to understand amongst all the background noise and other background chatter. But I really, I wanted to go over to the kids because obviously speaking a different language with kids is much easier because they speak slowly and they also use less advanced vocabulary. So I wanted to go over and start speaking German to them, but I was just too scared. I don't know. I was scared that the parents would judge me, although they probably wouldn't. They'd probably be excited that someone in the U.S. knows German, although I don't no German. I just can speak some German. But I really, I wanted to go over and talk with them, but also I was scared. I was scared because I didn't want to be embarrassed if I didn't understand what they were saying because they were speaking pretty fast. And then same with the people. So we went to this boardwalk and on the boardwalk, there were these two men behind me speaking German. And I want to say they were maybe just graduated college or college age. I don't know. They look like they're in their mid-twenties, I would say, and they were speaking German, but they were speaking really fast. I mean, it, they probably weren't speaking as fast as I think they were, but they're probably speaking at the speed I am now, which to a non-native speaker and someone who's not fluent sounds way faster than it probably is, but I wanted to turn back to them and say, and ask them, are they speaking, are you guys speaking German? And then I was thinking, well, what's the conjugation for to speak, sprechen, for ear, which is you all. And I was thinking of that. I was like, oh my god, if I say the wrong thing, they're gonna be like, okay, I'll just switch to English. But they probably wouldn't. That's just me overthinking. But I really wish I said something to them. I just get nervous. I don't know what it is. I've had times that I've told you guys about where I've spoken to people in German, but then other times I just get so nervous. So this time I was, I was pretty nervous. It's pretty intimidating to speak to someone in a different language. I remember at work, this guy came in and I think he recently immigrated here. His He had a pretty strong accent and he didn't speak. His English wasn't the best, but I could still understand what he was saying. It just like, I could definitely tell he was not a native speaker because he got some things wrong, but he told me, he was like, oh, I just moved here. Um, sorry, my English is kind of bad. I was like, no, no, because I know how much courage it takes to speak to someone who knows the language and to kind of put yourself out there in that vulnerable position. So I really appreciated that. But yeah, I just got so off topic. There was also this time that this person who is deaf came into the place I work and I've never, I don't know why I've never encountered someone who's deaf before, like ordering at work. So he was pointing to the menu and I would point back and do like a thumbs up like, oh, this is what you want. And it was a really eye-opening experience communicating with someone who's deaf. I I don't know why that's never happened to me before, but it was really, really, really eye-opening to just see the way that he has to he has to interact with other people and to kind of teach them because I've never, that's never happened to me. So it was kind of a learning curve of, oh, what does he want? Why isn't he speaking? Oh, wait, he's deaf. So that was interesting also, but that wasn't in California. That was like 
a couple weeks ago. But what was I talking about? Oh, I was talking about how I heard so many languages. And then also, some areas that I was in reminded me of European cities for this reason. They were not accessible by car. I think one of the major cities in Europe that people think of that are not accessible by car is Venice, Italy, you know, because there's all these narrow alleyways and canals and it's really hard to bring a car through there. And there's just so much, so much um, architecture and I always think of like these fountains. I don't know. I've never been to Italy, so I apologize if I'm wrong. But that's what I think of when I think of Venice, Italy. Very historic, culturally rich place. And I cannot imagine a car trying to squeeze through those narrow alleyways. That just doesn't make sense. And it's, it's such a heavily packed location with tourists that I just feel like there's no way a car can get through all those pedestrians. So, that reminded me, some of these areas in California reminded me of European cities and because they were not accessible by car. There was this place where cars could drive normally, like originally cars were supposed to drive there, but it was blocked off and so only people could walk through. And then another space was in Beverly Hills and it was like this cobblestone street and I just, I've never been to Europe, but I felt like I would see this in a city in Europe, like a historic city, just the cobblestone you know, paved by hand roads, and that was blocked off to cars also. And I think that is, that's really the key to having a successful urban environment is that not all areas should be accessible by car. Where I live, I don't have any of that. Unless there's a farmer's market near me in which the roads are blocked off, but normally, you know, we have busy streets there's gigantic intersections with like six lanes of traffic, four to six lanes of traffic on either side, and you really can't walk. That's the biggest thing that I dislike about America. Well, not the biggest thing, but the biggest trivial thing is that it's not a walkable environment. To get to places, you have to drive. Like everywhere, if you want to go somewhere, unless you live in a city, if you live in the suburbs, you have to drive by car because things are usually like a mile away from you, but there's not many sidewalks sometimes. And if you're on a really busy road, you're literally walking in the grass. I remember me and my friends in like sixth grade, we were walking somewhere and this was like this busy road, like the speed limit's 50 miles per hour. People are probably going faster than that, probably going like 60, maybe 65. So super busy road. And a bunch of 11-year-olds and a bunch of 12-year-olds are walking along the side of the road. And there's no, there's no, um, I think it's the boulder of the road, if I'm not wrong, I don't know. But the place where cars can pull over, there is none of that on this road. It was just like the edge lines, and then grass. So we're walking in the grass. Cars are literally like a few feet away from us whipping by. And it was, that's dangerous. You know, what if a car, what if someone's drunk driving? Or what if a car, you know, slips out of control? Or what if someone looks at their phone and swerves to the right a little bit? Then we would be hit. It's really not a walkable environment. And I know that's true for more places than just where I live. Unless you live in an urban environment where there's a lot of sidewalks then and there's a lot of stores that are packed in to a very close square mileage or whatever, then you have to have a car to get places. And another thing 
about America, which a lot of Americans, myself included, don't like, is that there's pretty much, it's very limited public transport. Again, unless you're in a city, then you have the train, like there's the, I think it's called the T or something in Boston, or maybe that's Philly, I don't know. Somewhere there's the T, then you have the, obviously, the metro system in New York City. So those big cities, yes, you have public transport, but if you live, again, in the suburbs, there's no public transport. You have to have your own car. You can't walk because there's barely any sidewalks and there's gigantic intersections and huge roads. It's just, it's really one of the worst things that's not actually one of the worst things like, besides things like lack of gun control, but that's one of the worst minor things about America, is this environment. And when I think of Europe, I think of lots of walkable cities, lots of places for pedestrians to go, because there are so many tours that there has to be places for people to walk. And in the U.S., we don't really have that. We're not really getting tourists that are coming to Ohio. And speaking of kind of these cities, when I think of New York City, New York City is very popular to travel to because it's one of the biggest cities in the world. It's a very diverse place. But New York City has a ton of cars. New York City is not one of those places that has a lot of areas blocked off to cars. There are a lot of, a lot of streets, and though they're not gigantic intersections, there's still a ton of traffic and when you're walking and you hear all this honking, it's overstimulating. It's almost like when I was in New York City, I almost felt claustrophobic with all of the cars. And then you have the sidewalks that have a ton of construction going on at all times. Like above you, they're working on something. So you have to walk under this narrow tunnel like structure and you're walking and jostling against all these people because there's not enough space to walk and the cars are honking and people are screaming. And though that may be a bit of an over-exaggeration, it's really not much, at least from when I visited. So, a ton of cars, and that is just not a relaxing environment to be in. It just makes you stressed when you're walking. Whereas if you're walking in a city that doesn't have that amount of cars and is meant primarily for pedestrians instead of cars, it's designed for people, not designed for transportation and cars, then it's just so much more serene and peaceful and you feel like you can breathe. That's what those areas in California reminded me of. They reminded me of, they reminded me of that peaceful feeling and also some of those European cities that people really want to travel to. Venice is a popular tourist location and in my opinion, I think part of the reason is that you can actually walk around and explore without someone almost running you over. That's that's just my opinion, though. Then, in New York City, you have this taxi aesthetic. And I know that sounds so dumb, but when you think of movies that take place in New York City, it's always the flustered main character coming home from the bar, and her hair is all messy, but really it still looks good. And she's like, taxi, taxi. And there's always that yellow taxi with the black checks. You know, everyone knows what I'm talking about right now. That's like, if I were to give an example, it would be the movie 13 going on 30. You just have this like taxi aesthetic in New York City, which again, I know sounds dumb, but that's kind of the vibe of New York City. And maybe I can't speak on behalf of 
people living in Europe, but maybe they want to experience that because it's different from where they live. Again, I have no idea if that's true or not. But similarly to kind of this aesthetics featured in movies, we have so many movies with beautiful cinematography, like Call Me By Your Name, which was filmed in Italy. And all of these movies are, a lot of them are made in different European cities, which makes people want to go there. When you have as critically acclaimed of a movie as Call Me By Your Name, and you see like that movie, I watch it, it is so, so beautiful. Like just the places, I think half of the movie is the plot and half of the movie is just admiring all the beautiful scenery. I want, I Google where it was in Italy, I forget, it starts with an L, but I want to go there. Just because of the movie, I want to go there. So when you have movies like that, that are being filmed in Europe, again, that pushes people to want to go travel there, and so that's part of that appeal. Another thing, switching back to California, I mentioned how there's beautiful vegetation. California, I think it just has so many flowers and I'm not used to seeing all that. Like, it was so much color. There's these beautiful pink, almost fuchsia flowers that are everywhere in California. And they're just so vibrant and so pretty. And there's so many different types of trees. You know, you have these gigantic palm trees everywhere. And you just have so much wildlife. There are monarch butterflies. I never see monarch butterflies where I live anymore because they are endangered but I saw a bunch of monarch butterflies in California. There's just a lot more wildlife, in my opinion. I saw some snails with their little slime on the ground. I saw, I wonder, I think I saw a lizard, um, probably. But there's just a lot more wildlife, in my opinion, a lot more vegetation. Also, the architecture of California, I think it's less cookie-cutter-style homes that you have in the Midwest because of urban sprawl, and it's more these houses have been here for a while, and so they are more unique, and it's not like a bunch of developers are building hundreds of homes in lines. It's more you are building homes that are nestled into the natural terrain, that are nestled into the cliffs of California, and you're working with the landscape around you rather than tearing it down and making room for only houses. So that, again, is part of why I loved California. Beautiful, beautiful architecture. Similarly, comparing that to Europe, Europe is a very historic continent. You know, there's a lot of old architecture. There's a lot of rich art. You know, a lot of paintings are housed in museums in Europe. And I think there's so much history there that people just have to see it. Obviously, there's a ton of history in the U.S., which again is part of that appeal of America to Europeans. But I feel like there's even more history in Europe because it's a bunch of different countries. The U.S. is a bunch of different states, which... I think is kind of like when you're traveling to different countries in Europe, you can travel to different states in the US, so there's kind of that parallel there. But Europe, because of its different countries, each country has a very distinct culture and its own history, its own art, and its own, you know, music and food, and that's different from the US. The US, each state does have its own culture, but it's not as extreme as it is in Europe, in my opinion, if that makes any sense. Another thing that I think 
is part of the appeal of Europe to Americans is that a lot of European, or sorry, a lot of Americans come from European ancestry. You know, the U.S. was built on immigrants, and in the 1900s, there were a ton of European immigrants coming to the U.S. So maybe there's this kind of subconscious feeling of I want to go back to my homeland and trace the roots of my ancestry because I feel this connection because that's where my ancestors immigrated from. I think that's a major part of it, this subconscious desire to go discover your roots in Europe. As I've been saying this entire episode, California, a lot of the places reminded me of European cities from all of the reasons I've talked about. And like I said, Europe is referenced as a big continent because people are going to travel to different countries and it's easy to do so because of this public transportation system. Public transport is so much better, so much better there than it is in the U.S. And back to the people from Belgium who were on the boat in California. Sorry, I'm like jumping all over the place. I'm talking about California and I'm also talking about Ohio and I'm also talking about uh, different European countries. So I know it's kind of crazy, but right now we're in California. We're on the boat, the whale watching boat. I'm talking to the people from Belgium and the woman was saying how everything in America is so big. She was saying, you know, there's big cars, big roads, and she said she's not used to that. And then she was also saying how she's surprised about the lack of public transportation. And I was like, yep, welcome, welcome to America where cars are the primary way of getting somewhere. I, I hate, as you can tell, I really despise the lack of walkable environments. That is the key to having a flourishing city, in my opinion. You've got to have sections blocked off that are only for pedestrians and only for foot traffic because that way, you know, things come out of that. You know, musicians start playing there. People can have more fun. Kids can play in the streets. It's just so much more relaxing when you don't have hundreds of cars whipping by you, honking at each other with their exhaust fumes stinking up in your face. Anyways, I was definitely agreeing with those people. And I was telling I was telling the woman how I wanted to study abroad. She was like, oh, maybe you'll come to Belgium. I think they live in the capital of Belgium, which maybe is this, let me Google. I think it's Brussels, Brussels, Belgium. Yeah, Brussels. Is that the capital? Yes, capital. So they live in they live in Brussels, Belgium, and they were like, it's a small country, but we're there, we're on the map. And I was like, yep. And yeah, so they were they were really nice. And I still I said maybe I'll come to Belgium one day. Although I think I just said that. I honestly when I'm recording these episodes, I completely zone out and I forget everything I've said from before. Okay, now moving into social media. Both Europe and America are heavily romanticized on social media. Number one, there's a ton of influencers that have the money to travel and they're going there and they're showing the best parts of Europe, the best parts of where they stay. They're showing their Airbnb, they're showing the beautiful views, they're showing what they did. You're not going to have an influencer 
go to Paris and show the workers on strike and the overflowing trash cans because that's not going to get the that's not going to elicit the reaction they want. You know, they want people to say, oh, this looks so aesthetic. I love how put together your life seems. I want to follow you. Whereas if they're only showing clips of the trash, like, oh, I don't want to go there. That's not aesthetic. I don't want to look at that. And it's sad, but it's true. They're only going to show you the best parts of their vacation. They're only going to show you the places that are not overrun by tourists. They're not going to show all the sweaty people that are red-faced sitting around some monumental thing that they couldn't get a photo shoot in front of. Anyways, I digress. They are only going to show the most beautiful parts of where they're traveling. Also, there's a ton of Western movies, like I talked about, Call Me By Your Name. There's a ton of Western fashion and a beauty influence that comes from Europe to America. That's why there are so many European beauty standards in America, because I honestly think just social media and just seeing all these European models and the beauty standards, you know, how they've always been the beauty standard. So that is so heavily placed on Americans and the fashion, you know, there's similar fashion trends, teenagers, at least from what I see on social media, teenagers that live in Europe wear similar things to teenagers that live in America because we're connected through social media and everyone can get the newest trends and there's no geographical barrier to separate us. An example of this that I'm thinking of is this popular style on TikTok called the Scandinavian girl style. It's like very, very clean aesthetic, like slicked back hair, the button-up Ralph Lauren aesthetic shirts, the dad core shirts, the jeans, just, I don't know, the blowout, the big blowout on the hair, the simple gold hoops. That's what I think of when I think of Scandinavian girl style. And that was influenced from Europe, and now it's a trend in America. And I see American influencers saying Scandinavian girl style inspo or something like that. So again, just a ton of influence from social media. But I also see people, videos of people romanticizing America, Europeans romanticizing America. And it's really interesting. I mean, this episode is probably interesting to hear my perception of Europe, which I hope is accurate. I hope I haven't been saying inaccurate things, but if I have, sorry. But I hope, or I think it's interesting that my European listeners are hearing my perceptions of where they live because I know they probably have their own perceptions of where I live. And I see people on TikTok who are romanticizing America. And it's just so interesting to see what other people think about where you live and what they find meaningful about where you live. For example, I see a lot of videos of people who are like, oh, I want to, I want the high school football games and the homecoming and prom and the high school parties. Like, I want all of that. And I think, again, this is part of this romantic romanticization of America because there are football games. Like, my school has the football games. We have the prom. We have the homecoming. But unless you are very wealthy there's really not high school parties like you see in the movies. There are high school parties for sure, but 
they're not like when I think of a high school party, I think of Roderick Rules, like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie, Roderick Rules, and the party he threw. I think of that. And unless you have a big house with a pool, the parties are not going to be like that. And my school is in Ohio. I don't have a school in California that's outside. My school is, like, my school, I like my school, but it's definitely not as extravagant and as glorious as people make it out to be, make school in America out to be, high school in America at least. So, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I sometimes I can take the football games and stuff for granted, but I, I guess I shouldn't because some people really value those experiences and want those experiences. So, very interesting seeing other people's perceptions of your home country when they go there. It's just very, very jarring, I would say. Another thing kind of social media related is Spotify playlists. There's this huge trend for some reason about European summer because again, these influencers going there have kind of made it a trend, but I always see playlists on Spotify. You don't really see American summer playlists because American summer playlists, it's like, if I would think of a stereotype of America, I would think of like shotguns and beer and red-faced white men. That's what I would think of as American stereotypes. So it's kind of the opposite thing. People in America are kind of stereotyping Europe in the summer, although I'm sure it's beautiful, but they are using it to create this kind of fantasy world of with music, and I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but just go on Spotify or Apple Music their playlists, it's kind of hard to view public playlists on Apple Music, but if you go on Spotify, you type in European Summer, you see, like, all these people bathing in pools and basking in pools of sunlight, and it's just, like, so pretty, and if you type in American Summer, in fact, I'm going to, I have this open in another, Spotify open in another tab, I want to type in American Summer and see if there's playlists for that see how people perceive America. Um, American summer, it's definitely, it's either like the East Coast, like preppy Rhode Island, Massachusetts, there's this Cape Cod summer. American summer, I don't know, honestly, there's not really as many playlists, but when I type in European summer on Spotify... You just see these people cliff jumping, and you see people driving down in their Ferrari on this beautiful hill, and you see people in turquoise water. Like, it's definitely a different vibe than the American Summer playlist. So, just the romanticization of Europe through Spotify and through music, and by associating specific songs with the vibe of Europe, if that makes any sense at all. The last thing about the appeal of Europe to America, this is definitely my family specific, but we always, my family always jokes about moving to Switzerland and joking about how Switzerland is so peaceful. We want to move there because it's just so accepting. And obviously I can't say that's true because I've never been there, but because Switzerland doesn't really involve itself in foreign affairs with like war and stuff, it does seem like a pretty peaceful place. And I'm sure they have much stricter gun control than America. I'm pretty sure any place has stricter gun control than America. But my mom's always saying, let's move to Switzerland every time 
some politician did something bad. Like, let's let's go to Switzerland, let's pack up, we're moving. So I also think that's interesting how people think of a lot of European countries as very peaceful, keeping to themselves. I definitely think that because I think a lot of European countries, like I'm pretty sure Austria, Austria was really good at regulating COVID and doing quarantining. And as you probably know, that completely spiraled out of control. Politicians just really didn't care about COVID, didn't do anything about it. So it was super bad in America. But I I just, I don't know. I think if in terms of healthcare also, you know, a lot of, I don't know if there's countries in Europe that charge for healthcare, but in America, you know, it is crazy expensive. Like you could have if you had a serious, serious illness, like if you had cancer, you could be walking out with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt from the hospital bill. And a night in a hospital is like thousands of dollars. Like it is crazy, crazy, crazy expensive. And that's why I'm worried when I go to college, if something were to happen, or I guess I'd be on my parents' health insurance, but I just, I worry about people who can't afford health insurance or people who don't have very good health insurance, what if they go to the hospital if they can't afford to pay their hospital bill? And maybe that causes them to not go to the hospital when they really need treatment, to not get a surgery that's going to save their life because they can't afford it. That's the problem with capitalistic healthcare in America. And that's why when I think of Europe, I think, you know, you can go to England and you can go to a hospital, they won't charge you. I can't even imagine that. But that's, again, part of this appeal. So I know this is heavily focused on the appeal of Europe to Americans, but that's what I can speak on because obviously I am an American. I do, I think I can speak on some of the appeal of America to Europeans, but not all of it, obviously, because I'm not European. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time.